Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Challenger. At Challenger, we want to help you ensure that your retiree clients can meet their retirement needs today and tomorrow. To access thought leadership, insights, and tips on retirement planning for your clients, head on over to challenger.com.au forward slash XY. Welcome back to the XY Advisor podcast. We are talking all things about the changing landscape of retirement. And I'm joined by a CFP, self-managed super fund specialist and aged care accredited professional, senior financial advisor and confidant. I love the confidant part. Welcome, Nicola Beswick. Thank you. Uh, great to be here. Tell me about the confidant part. How does that uh, How does that work in? I, I think it works by showing clients exactly what we do. Um, if you look up the definition of confidant, uh, it, it's about trust and people um, sharing trust and and having complete faith in what we do, particularly in the financial planning space. As advisors, we're so hung up on our titles and, and we love like all the letters behind our names and all of those, you know, showing that we, we're accredited and we know the technical side of things, but I think that ultimately it's about creating trust and relationships with yeah. with clients. Yeah, it's amazing because you've got plenty of letters uh, after your name and, and you've got plenty of titles and, and, and accreditations. And, and, and then to, the, to me, that what stood out from the human being point, point of view was that personalization part where you just say, yeah, actually I, I've... I've got a nerd brain, but I'm also actually a human being and I've got empathy. Exactly. That's ultimately um, a big thing for us financial advisors is that that empathy piece and and putting ourselves in the client's shoes and saying, you know, I get you. I hear what you're saying. I, I understand it. Ultimately, I feel that's what clients want more from us is for them to know what we're we're saying and what they're saying and and that we we get them. Yep, yep, fantastic. Now, I uh, couldn't help notice there is a uh, an accent there coming through uh, from from my home uh, land, actually from New Zealand. Uh, t- tell us about uh, tell us about your story. How did you sort of end up in in uh, in Australia? Uh, I ended up in Australia because I was I was offered a, a job um, in Melbourne um, through a law firm. Um, so I. I've had a few career changes throughout my little life um, so far, and that went initially from intellectual property law, uh, working in a company initially in Christchurch, um, and then coming over to Melbourne in the middle of the GFC of all times, um, but completely great, great decision. Yeah. So intellectual property law to financial planner, I guess this is probably moving towards your personal values and, and uh, you know, having a human connection with your clients versus just a uh, the, the legal side of things. That's right. Um, I, 
I changed careers purely because I, I really saw the benefit that financial planners have for people. Uh, my change from law essentially into financial planning was quite random, but um, really has set me on a on a path to where I am now. Uh, it, it started with my dad. Uh, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis about the age of 55. He didn't fit the box. It took a, a lot of medical professionals to work out exactly what had happened with him. But that initial point of his diagnosis, it started with him losing essentially a lot of the use of his right side. So he lost his capacity to use his right arm, um, his leg. And when you think about um, most right-handed people, um, that can really have a huge impact on day-to-day life, including your working life. Dad was one of these really fortunate people to have income protection insurance and that completely changed his outcome in terms of working. We, we know as financial planners the benefit of income protection, but to actually see that benefit someone, that changed my thinking with looking after myself selfishly to start with. And then the more I learned about finances, the more I just went, so many incredible things out there that even little simple things that people just don't know. Um, and I realized that you can, and no disrespect to lawyers here, but you can actually make a huge difference in the the financial planning space. And I went, yep, full support of my partner. And um, I made the made the change. And and it, it was just incredible. I don't regret it for one second. I absolutely love what I do. I I love the people I work with I work for um, in terms of my clients uh, it's just it's just such a rewarding profession um, yeah absolutely and tell me about your dad like how how old was he when he was diagnosed he was 55 yeah and and what, um, what possessed him to get income protection in the first place like how was he convinced he, to pay for it I think he was one of these people that had it part of his employment um and I think that he would have at the time seen the benefit of, of having that because he was the the primary income earner through our family. Um, I'm one of three. I'm the oldest. So I could imagine at the time you know, we're talking, um, he was one of these people that worked for telecom back in, in New Zealand. So um, you, you could imagine just being in that role and and having that as part of your, your package it would be one of those mm. no-brainers um and and carrying it on yeah fantastic so that that shaped you as a human and said okay i want to follow this and i want to help people in that situation or you know people in general and and, and the more you got into financial planning you realize the more different ways that you can help people uh, and you very much um, look after people in that pre-retiree space and retirement and all the way through to, through to aged care. Um, is this is this almost uh, like you're helping people like your dad? It is. It is. It really, actually, it really is. Um, because every client I I come across, that's exactly what the way I look at it. I just see you're you're someone's. Um, mother, father, daughter, 
uh, you've been, you know, we've all got stories. We've all been, you know, arrived at where we're at because of particular things. And, and I do, I, I really do. Um, He's probably one of my next to next to my partner, Mark, one of my biggest advocates um, for what I do. Uh, He is consistently liking everything I put on social media. He's always, you know, that, that number one fan. It's uh, it's great having uh, as your parent as as your biggest advocate, isn't it? Uh, sitting there and um, <laughs> and liking all your posts and sharing it. I guess it probably also helps that um, that uh, he's you know he is the target market of your of your client base, and uh, and you can certainly relate to that. Now, talk to me about you, how you help your clients now. You sort of help them as they're coming in um, that pre retirement space. Let's let's start there. What are you seeing in, in the clients that are coming in at the moment? I think a lot of them are quite overwhelmed with what to do and decisions to make. I have seen quite a number of people coming in wanting advice and and not really knowing where to where to go and and what decisions to make. A lot of them are finishing off work maybe sooner than what they anticipated. I had a gentleman a couple of weeks ago who contacted me purely because he was about to be made redundant and he'd never really thought about it. He was one of these people that had always gone, I'm going to work until I die kind of thing. Um, And then all of a sudden it dawned on him that he had to make some decisions. I see that uh, as a common thing coming through, not only if someone who's been faced with retirement or redundancy, but that that uncertainty and and particularly because there's so much in the media that we get caught up with, you know, what is the right decision for me and 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 how do I filter the noise that's around me? Yeah, that's interesting times, isn't it, at the moment with that, that um, stopping work sooner than anticipated. I, I think um I think we've talked about some stats around in and around this some um, series regarding the concept of people not retiring when they plan to retire. Um, in fact, very, very, not very often do people actually retire on the day they plan to. This, this work um, scenario, I guess, in a, in a situation where a, a lot of people, a lot of businesses are sort of up and down, a lot of people are finding themselves on the wrong yeah. side of that, uh, um, their occupation being one of the ones in the, the economy that's not being, uh, that's suffering, I guess you could say. How is that going with a lot of people? I mean, obviously, you mentioned there were there was a lot of uncertainty and worry and fear. I think a lot of people are also for the first time being very aware of how superannuation's impacted um, and what superannuation actually means. Um, a lot of people don't really pay attention to it until they're about to retire um, or um, something's happened to a parent um, or a sibling, and and then they start going, "Oh, I've actually got to, I've got to look at this. I've got to work out what generally is my largest asset that I've just contributed to is going to to work for me." Um, and then, depending on what someone's situation is, uh, there's a whole range of different asset mixes and investment returns, particularly with what we've seen in the last just over 12 months now. Um, and, and I think people have started to sit up and take notice. 
Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Could you, you sort of mentioned there that, and what comes to my mind when you're saying that is the trigger event. It's often yes. there as an event that triggers this. And COVID, in a way, has been the trigger event for some people. It has. Um, we Trigger events happen to us all the time, um, all, all our clients all the time, you know, death, divorce, uh, injury. I, I've um, come across as well a lot of people who have been in unfortunate accidents and, you know, particularly TAC, um, if someone can't work and they may be younger, those are the common ones. But then we have COVID, which completely has disrupted the way we live, um, the way we think about life and and then ultimately what happens from maybe an employment or retirement kind of position. And so are people coming to you early enough? No. <laughs> that was a very definitive think, answer, wasn't it? I think it? it's absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that, that you know, it, it, it should have always been, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. how, how do we change that from from the, you know, the public point of view? I think it's awareness. I think changing the, the, the time around when you start thinking about your future, is, it, we get so caught up in life families, um, you know, what's happening with work. We don't really think about our, our future selves and changing the mindset of, hey, I've got to really think about this when I'm 40, 50, you know, in between that. I, I think it's more promoting small things that can be done really early on, not necessarily the hey, go see a financial planner, um, but, you know, oh, and, and but here are the things that you need to kind of think about. And then when you're ready to, to take that leap of trusting someone to, to help you with your finances, then you can feel confident that you actually have got something from an um, education perspective behind you. There's so much information out there at the moment. Um, it, it's really just distilling the key points of was it the, the quote around the best pl- time to plant a tree is either now or 20 years ago, and it's mm. that exact same thing, isn't it? Yeah, ex- um, yep. yeah. I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. There is a lot of information, but a, a lot of it still comes out in in technical form. Uh, in, in, you know, we sort of use jargon so often uh, that com- <laughs> that completely confuses the, the, you know, the public into thinking, well, I don't really want to look stupid, so I'm not going to ask. Exactly, exactly. If we can almost distill the key things down into a, a layman's point of view where everybody can understand it, we're going to see more people being more active and proactive with looking after their future selves for, from that retirement perspective a lot earlier on. And, and that's going to have so many more benefits, not only for the individual, but families and then society in general, if I'm, you know, thinking about yeah. that, because we're going to be so much more comfortable and and be able to and ultimately enjoy our lives, which is, is what retirement's about. It's, yeah, it's about actually enjoying enjoying the time that you spend working um but and and you know having that freedom yeah 
Now, I, I, I want to challenge all planners listening to this that uh, they should be out there, you know, talking. And uh, you mentioned awareness. I think awareness is the greatest thing, and and, and it's about um, consistently consistently delivering a message to people that says you are better off uh, getting getting advice earlier um, yeah. rather than later. So yeah, so there's a challenge out there to everybody to start spreading that message, I guess. Um, now, what is, speaking of spreading messages, you do a lot of work, um, and, and I guess probably coming from your background, it makes a lot of sense with the pro bono network. Yeah, I do. And uh, and also, you know, you do a lot of work with them, whether it's videos or other things, and obviously that's spreading awareness and messages. Um, so tell us about tell us about that. This is probably one of my equally exciting parts of what I do um, in the financial planning space. The pro bono network we. Uh, help match people going through a house crisis. So specifically, we've aligned with multiple sclerosis limiters and with advisors that want to give a little bit back um, to those clients. And I'm really fortunate to to sit on the board and help with the the overall messaging that we're doing from a an advisor perspective. But I've also become really heavily involved in working with multiple sclerosis limiters and producing webinars, uh, information sheets that we deliver to their clients to help understand and convey the messaging around what a financial planner can do. Uh, it, and the great the the webinar series has just been fantastic because we got given. Um, case studies from MS themselves that defined the the questions and and comments of of actual real-life people. And we've built this webinar series that's based on each of those individuals and and how an advisor uh, helped them. Now, it was all completely fictitious. We we did embellish a little bit to to help convey the messaging, Um, but it's just... It's incredible because you are starting on that education piece so much earlier and and particularly with MS, it's the way it impacts someone is completely unknown. You you actually like I'm I'm fortunate because dad has his MS journey has um been pretty Stagnant and his, his his symptoms haven't really uh, deteriorated, but I've through my journey met people where they they go downhill pretty fast, and and I've got uh, a, I've worked with a lady who sixty three and is has to use a walker. Um, and her son is the the primary, not primary carer, but is always there. He's always helping her understand financial implications. And and I think being able to convey what we can do from a financial planning sense not only helps the individual, but their families, um, their extended community, and and so forth. And and it's just. It brings that human element back to what we actually do as advisors and the way we can actually help people. Yeah, incredible. So tell me about these. uh, You you do the webinars, they record them. So you you sort of create a case study and you work out different um, ways that financial strategies might help this particular person. And obviously that's general information. It's about, you know, that sort of stuff. But is that just sent to people that are diagnosed with MS? How is that distributed? 
it's uh, so the webinars are live, um, which is always quite interesting. Um, which, but it, but it's great. Um, we've got a they've, they've got a great team at, at MES Limited who who do this on a regular basis. Uh, the webinars are also recorded while we're presenting them live, and uh, they're up on the homepage, uh, along with a whole range of other types of information that uh, someone can access. We're able to also send out, or they they have the the slides attached to the webinar as well, so people can view those and access that when uh, they're reading or going through the material. And that's particularly important because with one of the biggest symptoms of MS is uh, cognitive issues and cognitive processing. And a lot of the, the content, the, the purpose for having it recorded is to allow people to go back and, and listen to it again and digest it because finance is complicated to start with. And 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 to try and um, distill it for uh, someone who has no cognitive issues is, is always a challenge. But then to try and convey that information to someone who is going through a world of other emotions, um, that that's probably one of the great things about it. Yeah, it it. it. And this is why I love recording uh, recording these meetings and, and giving your client a, a copy of it because that understanding is is obviously a huge part of the new regulations de- demonstrating that the clients understand. And if clients have got cognitive issues, then they could understand at a slower pace or or a different way. Exactly, exactly. And it's brilliant because there's so many times that you you have client meetings. and and I know that one of the things that we, we have in the code of ethics is to get a client's consent and understanding and they they know what we're recommending. The reality is how do you test that? And how do you actually um, make sure a client understands? And and being able to to give someone you know, the advice document, that's what we've got, but be able to convey the information in a in a different way by a recording or something like that just helps educate and and make sure that we are um going above and beyond what has now been asked of us from a financial planning perspective yeah exactly um so so talk to me about the the pro bono itself because i mean obviously um people will probably be listening to this saying well how can we afford to give pro pro bono advice these days you know with the, the cost of financial advice for planners going up you know you still have the uh, you still have the overheads you still have the liabilities you still have the p- professional indemnity re- requirements etc cetera, etc cetera. you still have the cost of producing a, a document if that's the way you're doing it um, but tell us about that how do, how do you fit pro bono into um, or afford to pay pro bono advice the one thing we ask of any advisor who's interested is to meet with only one client a year that comes through that network. Um, so the the way that we we process things is we we've got a, a center where requests come through from from MS or people that have found out. Um, and then the center they then contact advisors on the register who have expressed interest. The key thing is that a lot of clients that come through 
mostly we'll get through a, a one initial meeting where it's more that general advice side of things. So that isn't as onerous as doing a, a, an advice document, which obviously you need to do from a personal advice perspective. Um, the way I have approached it personally is if someone needs personal advice, then I've done the advice document free of charge. But from an, if there was an ongoing relationship that needed to happen, then I think we can't expect people to have pro bono work on an ongoing basis for something when, where there's an ongoing relationship. So I and am as part of the, the board that we've discussed this is if, if it's an ongoing relationship then and the client can afford it, uh, which is generally the case, clients can afford um, ongoing advice, then they just become clients and yeah. and they fit into the the natural fold of your business. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, fair enough. And tell me, how do we how do we highlight those planners and advisors that are doing pro bono advice? And even if it's one a year, you know, like how do we put them on a pedestal within their profession to say these these people have given back? I think it's people not being shy that they they are actually out there and willing to help. Um, I I think there's nothing wrong with saying you know I'm here to help, and and I think it's a great thing because I think the public want to know that we care, and and by saying hey I'm I'm here and I actually are willing to to help people, um, then you know that's that's great. I think we should not be ashamed of it and and actually embrace that side of things. Yeah. Make great words too, by the way, the public want to know that we care. Well done. <laughs> I, I love it. So talk to, talk to us about, uh, thank you for sharing that about the pro bono network too, by the way, I think it, uh, it's really important. Um, I want to talk about the, com- the, the transition period from being a, you know, a pre-retiree to being a, a retiree and you know, the, the, the time that takes the, the, the change that goes on through somebody's life at that time, um, you know, uh, all the different things they've got to get their head around. Talk to, talk to us about that moment in somebody's life. There are so many things going on with them. All of a sudden, they have been used to going, getting up, going to work, seeing the same people, having money come through from employment. And then for whatever reason, they're looking at stopping or finishing up and it's not just the financial aspect that people get to and and become really anxious about that because all of a sudden they've realized that I have this money that I need to make sure lasts for the rest of my life but I also want to enjoy my life I don't know how I'm going to how long I'm going to live for because we don't know um and then I've got my kids that want to potentially I want to help or would like to help, but don't know if I can afford. Um, and it's almost like a, a, a grieving process in some ways. Um, they're, they're going from something that they knew for the last however long to, to a new way of life. And so a lot of people, when I'm talking to them for the first time, it's about, it's not, the facts and figures, I think that's the important thing. It's about that emotional comfort and that emotional stability that they want to make sure that 
um, you can understand what they're saying and what they're going through. Um, and and that's very hard to do when you're obviously not retired and you're obviously um, still, you know, working and and you, you look probably 20 years younger than, than them. Um, how do you how do you convey that? It's a it's a it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it? Um, but I think if you can create a, a space where you're being open and honest and 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 showing empathy and understanding, then that's where you're going to get a lot more of the the comfort for what you're actually saying to someone to do. And, and proceed to that next stage of actually becoming a client and, and, and trusting what you're saying on an ongoing basis. Yeah, this is a really interesting way of looking at it. And I've never thought about this before, but, you know, the, the grieving process, uh, you're grieving the loss of a career or the, you know, that, you know, I don't want to say funeral for your career, but look, that's a, you are grieving that process and that empathy and understanding through that process is exactly what uh, is, a, is a really good way of sort of relating to it or, or talking to people about the idea that, yeah, there is a grieving process you go through. It's it's like any change that we have. Um, you know, people, like we, we, we attach a grieving process to people going through divorce, for example. Um, and, and, and it is mourning the, the, the change or the loss and, and whether someone's, it's interesting because people sometimes want to retire and they're ready to retire, but I, but I still think it's that change of, of lifestyle and humans are creatures of comfort and, and habit. And, and even if you want to stop work and, and you want to change that, then, it's understanding that it's understanding why someone's actually making these decisions or has to make a decision. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I, yeah, I completely agree. There is a human behavioral element to this. That's going to happen to every single human. So talk to us about that, the complexity at that time, because obviously this is a lot of concern around the, the, the complexity around all these different options and, and, and confusion and anxiety that comes with this process. Uh, talk to us about how that affects people's ability to make good decisions at this time. <laughs> um, making good decisions when someone's anxious and, and there's so much going on is just hard to start with. Um, and and then you're, as a professional, sitting in front of someone to explain all this technical jargon, um, it, it becomes it can become very overwhelming and and I think you know someone's retiring and and you're talking to them about starting an account-based pension with your superannuation and the benefits of that and they're just looking at you going what (laughs) what are you what are you talking about and it's it's taking that fear of the unknown away by by conveying we know the benefits of an account-based pension but being able to convey that in those layman's terms if we can do that then that helps ease the anxiety and the emotional stress that someone's going through at that time and another element to that as as I'm thinking about that situation a lot of people may not even know if they've got enough money to live on built up you know through super and they might be anxious because they might think they have to sell their home um 
to fund their retirement. I think now technology has become our friend a little bit with that because there's so many great resources out there that can help model out, but in a simplistic way, all of those unknowns. Um, So I find um, doing, doing a couple of projections and you know we all love projections um (laughs) but but having something simple that shows that that's what people it gives them a little bit of certainty and comfort that they can hang on to um and particularly if you can account for things that they would like to do like the once upon a time when we could all go overseas and and all those kind of things um you factor those in and then that helps people feel comfortable about spending their money or making decisions about their money to enjoy their life because you get different people in different schools of thought around when they retire you've got a lot of sum of money through superannuation for example some just go yay I'm going to go and spend it all and and that's great others go I actually don't want to spend it I know it's there but I'm so scared to spend it that I'm not going to and I'm not going to enjoy my retirement as a result. Um, so I find having conversations around what is that money for? Why have you worked X number of years and, and, and sacrificed a part of your wage to go into this system? What is it for? Why, why have you got that money? And, and if you take the the non-financial reasons for retiring um, and explore those as part of a a conversation or a series of conversations, I feel like that then creates a a little bit more of acceptance around people going, hey, I am going to take that trip and I am going to take 20,000, 30,000 out and, and go and enjoy that because I may not be able to in five years' time. Um, it, it's getting that balance of retirement. Yes, you you do have to be aware that you've got this this money and it and it needs to work in a way that is appropriate for you. But you you've also want to make sure you enjoy the lot the rest of your life. And and if you can, I I love talking to people about that side of things is like well why why do you have this money what's what's important for you what are the things that you would like to do in order to um enjoy the the time that we have left because we don't know what's going to happen um and I think COVID um and what we saw through 2020 has shown that a little bit more for people I think a lot of people have become very aware of what's important to them and what things that they would do and maybe don't want to do. And and if you you have those conversations, it helps people be more at ease with with spending money or and and if you can integrate that information with with projections, um, then it, yeah. it just helps, doesn't it? Yes. So so there's a there's obviously a huge balancing act going on between, you know, ticking their their mental state their emotional state versus you know the uh, the the you know, yes you are financially better off by doing this um and and getting people to to make decisions based on both of those aspects talk to me about the technology piece again because i mean how, how are how are 
um, people that are in their retirement adapting to t- technology because there's obviously, you know, the school of thought that says, you know, they're, they're in their retirement, they, we can't use technology with them. <laughs> um, it's whole technology thing is actually really quite interesting because it, I think age is probably one of the biggest misconceptions around the use of technology. Um, I know people that are probably younger than some that just stay, go, you know what, I'm, I don't want a bar of it. I, I, I want to talk to you over the phone. I don't want to have a Zoom meeting. I don't want to have a Teams meeting. I just don't know how to use it. That, and, and we're talking people that are maybe in their 60s, where I've come across people that are a lot older than that who embrace it, love it, you know, they're, they're on it, um, they're, they're happy to set up a, a, a Zoom meeting or, or whatever. And it's quite interesting because we get, I, I think it all comes down to our mindset and our individual mindsets around the way that we perceive something that may be new um, and we don't understand. Um, and... It's it's just been fascinating a, a fascinating experiment in somewhat um, to to observe the way that people have handled um, essentially uh, working remotely um, and and what we have to do whether it's it's clients or or staff or you know anyone I we can't get back to New Zealand um, at the moment because of the the our bubble no bubble thing and yep. we're constantly facetiming mark, mark my partner's parents um and they're gosh they, they'll be i would i'm i'm going to take a stab here um and, they'll and be you'll get it wrong <laughs> like every projection yeah. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> um they they'll be in their their mid to late 70s and and like his mum's all over it he, they just they love it. Yeah, they love I think, it. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's not. It's not an age thing. It's a. It's an attitude thing, uh, yeah. and a willingness to a willingness to to make some sacrifice. I think it's also a willingness to to take a risk in a way that you might look silly. Uh, every time you start using technology, there's always a, a risk that you might get it wrong or, or or come across strangely. So if you're not prepared to take those risks, it might be harder for those types of people. But it's like anything, isn't it? Yep. Now, tell me about uh, as your clients go through sort of um, towards that aged care uh, side, maybe they're a little bit less active. Um, what's, what are you seeing in that for those clients? How is that changing or what's that, what's coming up for them? Generally, it's at that stage of life, it's more the children and, and the way a, a child or a family is, is dealing with that process. A lot of people heading into the the aged care space, I I put into two kind of camps almost. Um, you've got a group that don't want to accept it, and and will also and will they 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 don't want to know about it. Yeah. Um, where the the second group are they're making decisions and they're very aware of the situation and know what's going to to happen you so you, you have that type of aspect and and the way that a parent handles that then is shows how the the child's going to handle going through those decisions mm-hmm. um if if someone's a lot more pragmatic about what's actually going on and making decisions it may it takes away that emotional stress that 
children because ultimately the children are the ones making the the helping make decisions at this stage it's it makes it a little bit easier at such an emotional time um, yeah yeah that's really interesting the intergenerational type uh you know handing down of the attitude around it because um yeah when i think of when i think of my grandmother going into age care she, she was like she she was planning it all and it was it was her decisions and she was making those choices and she, she was going to go and you know it was just that was she, she was the one that had everything organized um and so then that is just how I saw it happening as a, as a younger human. And then, and then uh, that's probably shaped my attitude towards it. Exactly. Exactly. It's unfortunately, and I think it's a not pleasant thing to go through um, regardless of where you are within that spectrum of the family. Um, I, I remember my grandparents when they were in a retirement home and then went into to care. It shapes your way that you think about it. Um, and I remember with my grandfather, he was he was actually in a motor vehicle accident, and my nana had to go into care because he was the primary carer of her. And and then um, she she had to um and that was a that was a, actually a, a really horrible thing from a 10 I would have been maybe 15 at the time you know where I, I look at my other grandparent and she's she's um she's in her early 90s and she's still living at home um and it's such a different kind of way of of looking at it mm-hmm. um and yeah. Do you, do you see that that um, the tension you mentioned uh, earlier around the the idea of of the the kids of somebody going into aged care? It's a struggling time for them as well. Uh, is that something that um, the person that's going into aged care would certainly um, be concerned and worry about the fact that they're maybe their the kids are fighting or the kids have got different there's tension or there's different ideas around what's going to go on and everyone's trying to make decisions and everybody's at a at a, a intense moment. I think it depends on someone's capacity at that time and the reason they're going into care. Yeah. I've seen situations where it's husband and wife and um, the, the husband's very aware of what's going on and the reasons why they need to go into, into care um, where the, the wife, um, because of the, the natural progression from a, a mental side of things gone, um, maybe not, as aware um i think if you're more open with if, if you a family as a collective is more open with what's going on from a, a a care perspective and what someone wants i think that emotional stress that's placed on the children is far less than compared to someone who doesn't talk about it mm. um and and i know it's it's one of these things that we it's trying to talk about that is a lot harder than talking about retirement because of naturally what it is and, 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 and why. Um, it's, and the, it's the same conversation, isn't it? It's the, it's the being aware earlier, planning for it and understanding that that's probably a grieving process to go through. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's almost, and, like the, it's and almost like the second retirement. It, it is, isn't it? 
It is. And and this is where I know particularly there's a, there's a lot of information out there around the different stages of retirement. Um, and, and that is, that is so true. Um, and, and the grieving process is different people, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we're sort of breaking some new ground here. We've, we, we should be, uh, we should be uh, talking from a psychology point of view, how we were, uh, <laughs> But uh, but uh, look, thank you know, thank you for coming on uh, and chatting us to today about the the changing landscape of retirement. There's certainly uh, so many different aspects to it. Um, tell us about you and your and your practice and your business. What sort of things are you uh, hoping to do over the next sort of you know little while? And and what are you sort of going to be focusing on in the future? One of the the biggest things that we're looking at doing is really embracing the conversations that families need to have, particularly around as you you lead into retirement, it's about looking after yourselves, but also your child, your children. And, and we're, we're going to see as a whole uh, this intergenerational wealth transfer. And I think that that's one big thing that um, we're certainly talking about within our practice, but then I think that's one thing that's, I think all businesses out there are, are aware of. Uh, a lot of our, our clients are getting older and it, it's about, you know, how do you not only talk to clients about what they want to do, but then make sure that their children are on the same page um, as well. And and then, you know, not only do, yeah, so that, that that's quite a quite a big topic in itself. That's a yeah. that's a really big topic. I'm I'm fascinated with the the concept of um inter- intergenerational wealth transfers that happen, and then the corresponding um, investment profile of the money that transfers. Like as as in um you know somebody that might have earned that money the hard way and and really worked hard and saved their pennies and 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 you know hates the idea of loss. Uh, handing that money on to a child who then goes and you know, puts it on uh, Bitcoin um, or something like that, you know, it's uh, like, how does that, you know, it, it comes back down to, you know, the money itself and, uh, and does the money itself have a um, investment profile versus the human. So yeah, interesting, certainly interesting topics. We can get into that one. Oh, I was going to say um, the whole profiling psychology piece is just huge in itself, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for coming and chatting to us today and coming on uh, and joining us in the series. Uh, really appreciate your help. If somebody wants to continue the conversation, what's the best way they can get hold of you? Uh, reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a, a whole range of contact details there, email, phone, um, just or, or a message through the, the platform itself. So please, please do reach out. Um, love talking about all of this. Great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And if people want to get involved in the Pro Bono Network, what's the? how would they find that? Uh, the AFA have a designated webpage that um, talks about the, the, the group and has a, a form that if you wish to become a, an advisor on our registered list, um, more than happy to, to connect through that way. Or again, connect with me directly and I can put you in touch with the the right people um, who manage that side of the process. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Nicola. 
Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Welcome. Hey, Fraser. Thank you. Uh, now we're off to our best part of the week where we do a bit of a shout out. And who have we got today? Yes. So a dual shout out today for XY Advisors, Elaine Huang and Nathan Fradley. So both have shared this week with referral opportunities for other advisors in XY. So they've both met with different prospects, uh, really understood what they're looking for. These particular clients don't necessarily fit their their demographic or their clientele. So they've gone out to the community to say, hey, who can look after these guys? Who can I introduce them th- introduce them to? Uh, which is amazing. So um, you know, making sure that clients are getting the right help that they need from the best people, and also uh, allowing for uh, referral opportunities for advisors in the community as well. So awesome to see such collaboration amongst XYs. So well done, guys. Mm-hmm. 